1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hello, I'm Liz and Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, presented by Planters, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Do you know what satisfied me today, Matt Harmon? You should. It was not our fired Halloween costumes. It was not how long my jack-o'-lantern lasted before becoming grossly moldy. It was, in fact, a touchdown to one Albert. Oh,
1: yeah, that was a hell of a call. And like Albert. Oh, by the way, uh, I feel like he's really becoming sort of a thing that we like for weeks now, we should have been discussing as a central piece in this Broncos offense, right? Like this offense has undergone so many changes because there's been so many injuries, but like He's a big factor, and it makes sense why he should be, because he's huge. He's athletic. They miss that type of target. Obviously, in Cortland Sutton, you know, Noah Fan has had his injury issues this year. Like, I love it. I mean, this should be a guy that isn't just a little flyer every now and again. He should be a featured part of this Broncos offense. It makes sense that way.
0: Also proving that chemistry is a real thing, because he and Locke were teammates at Mizzou, and when stuff starts to break down... Locke looks for a security blanket. I and mean, we talk about tight ends being a security blanket for struggling or young quarterbacks, developing quarterbacks, quarterbacks behind bad O lines, whatever, all the time. And in fact, he has been, O has been this for Locke, not just in the NFL, but previously. So there is there's some connective tissue there. And you know, it's always a good story. Plus, he does, in fact, have a fantastic story. But we have more stories to get to. There are a bunch of storylines, in fact. In the Pittsburgh at Baltimore game, um, from a fantasy perspective, however, Matt, what is harder to predict—the Steelers' receiving core or the Ravens' backfield?
1: Well, I feel like on a on like a week to week basis, when everybody's healthy, it's probably more important to predict the uh, Steelers' wide receiver core. Not the question. Uh,
0: the question was what, right? Like,
1: what's hard? I mean, what's harder to predict? I feel. I guess I would say the Steelers' wide receiver core because. You know, when all three of these guys, Ingram, Dobbins, and uh, Gus Edwards are in the picture, you know, it's pretty much just going to be like seven carries for 54 yards, eight carries for 63 yards, and, you know, 10 carries for uh, 71 yards for everybody. And that's basically like, it's like split three ways, pretty evenly. Mostly nobody's going to help you in fantasy. Now on, on the Steelers side, like for the most part, somebody's gonna help you in fantasy in this in this wide receiver core one guy's gonna give you like a pretty eye outing and then one guy's gonna totally let you down and that's exactly what happened today that was exactly what happened last week the week before that like this pretty much actually like the series wide receiver core has been you know predictably unpredictable which is sort of like i feel like a few weeks ago i said like the, these guys are all going to be ranked like in starting range you're going to probably want to realize that you should start all all of them when you get the chance but there's a decent chance that if you if you do start one of them one of the three is going to let you down today it was Deontay Johnson and uh, Claypool was the guy who had the touchdown you know we all know the deal there
0: situation remains the same it's the names that are changing which is a little bit weird they're rotating I would say that because Deontay Johnson like you know, our friend Bob Harris says that he is injury agnostic. He, like, does not believe in, pred- yeah. in in feeling like players are more or less injury prone. I, this year, however, you can't say that about Deontay Johnson. Like, he cannot, like, complete a full four quarters without exiting to deal with something. And it's not the same thing. It's not like he's just always dealing yeah. with an elbow or a knee or a soft... It's like there's a cascading issue coming along. And so... For that reason, in the same way that when we looked at the Baltimore backfield, like Mark Ingram's absence means that we have a little bit more clarity, I'm going to have to assume there is some um, absentia at some point from Johnson, which then gives me more hopefulness or high, or heightens the ceiling, if you will, of Claypool.
1: Yeah. The only thing is, like, last week, you know, Johnson leaves the game. Claypool still does nothing. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like – this, yeah, yeah. this is – It's just always going to be a volatile situation that way. I feel like Bob Harris is, you know, and other people that feel this way. I feel like I kind of feel this way, but, like, being injury agnostic is, like, more going into the year. Like, leave it open into your imagination that, like, hey, maybe in 2021, like, you know, we don't know a damn thing about guys' medical situations. Like, in 2021, 2022, maybe Deontay Johnson just never gets hurt. I mean, a guy like Keenan Allen, people still throw around, like – well, you know, injury prone, misses right, games, right, right. whatever guy has played every single game possible since 2017. So like that's I feel like the situation where it might make sense with Deontay. But this year, yeah, I mean, at this point, like you'd just be um, screaming into the void and like denying reality. If you can't say like, yeah, there's been a problem with him staying on the field, completing games and uh, everything like that, because it has the, the concerning part is, as you mentioned, it's always something different.
0: The problems for Cam Newton and the New England Patriots passing game persisted in Week 8. Newton had an ugly, ugly day. 174 yards, no touchdowns, uh, no picks. And also, you could say the same of Josh Allen, who has not (laughs) looked like his, you know, September, the September version of himself. Also no touchdowns, though he did have a pick, and under 160 passing
1: yards. So... The funny thing is like we're talking about this is you know this real bad Cam Newton outing and obviously it it was in in one sense but like is crazy to say that it was a huge improvement over what we just saw like the fact that he was out there and like the Patriots were competitive and he was even functional was a huge step over what we saw the last two weeks against the 49ers and obviously the Broncos. I'm like, again, that is a sliding scale. And I feel like we have to judge these Patriots on a sliding scale because, you know, we sort of seen that they're, they're not ready to compete. They're a bad team around Newton. Like Cam is not going to be, able to elevate them to anything more than just like yeah they were in a competitive game with another flawed afc team and like for cam i actually came away from this game like feeling a little bit better about newton like i don't care as much that he fumbled at the end of the game like he was able to be out there for four quarters keep this game competitive and like i actually thought it was encouraging that you know jacoby myers six catches for 58 yards Like, why have we not had Jacoby Myers on the field the entire time? You know, like, I realize that he's kind of redundant with Julian Edelman as a non-vertical threat.
0: That's why, because there there was no Edelman (laughs) this week. But Edelman, I guess the point you're trying to make is that Edelman has clearly not been healthy, finally got the knee procedure that he's needed done, so he's absent, and Myers was a bit of a hero in spots even last season.
1: This is true. Yeah, I just feel like they need guys who can get open and, like, figure out where they line up you Know afterwards, I mean, maybe you could just look at it like whatever they're doing with Nikhil A. Harry obviously has not worked at this point. Like, maybe that's the answer when Harry's healthy, forget about it, put Myers out there, who's basically been, drafted the same year as Harry and has been better than him throughout his entire career. Um, Damien Harris pops up for a big game in this one, which is you know, I mean, we'll see if that we'll see, love it, but we'll see how long that lasts. Um, Buffalo's defense overall has been disappointing on balance all year, and I thought that this was. You know, another disappointing uh, outing for them. Uh, but again, I realize it's a bad game for Cam Newton for, on the most for the most part. But come away from it being encouraged in a weird way on this sliding scale of judging these Patriots,
0: and factoring in that he didn't have any receiving weapons. Andy and I talked about on the Friday podcast that one of these receivers for New England was going to have to step up. Would it be Beard, uh, Demir Beard, who has been uh, uh, who had been on the field more frequently? Andy also surmised that maybe it would be Jacoby Myers. Um, so I said, that's that's an excellent point you make about cam. Um, though I think when you're looking at either of these quarterbacks, obviously their rushing floor is what is booing them for fantasy purposes. If we are going to talk about rushing though, you know, we mentioned Damian Harris having a, a pop-up game. Zach Moss was nicely involved here and the Bills backfield, Continues to be muddled in that both, you know, carried the ball, touched the ball the same amount of times, Singletary and Moss. Um, Devin Singletary managed 86 yards, uh, Zach Moss 81 yards, but it was Moss who found the end zone. And it also is worth worth mentioning that Devin Singletary had struggled for the better part of the month before this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the what's a little bit frustrating about the Bills' offense right now, you know, they're pretty much just throwing to their wide receivers, which I get it, right? Like, you have Stefan Diggs, who's been one of the most consistent guys in the NFL. He's been, like, a clear wide receiver one for your fantasy team, whatever. Um, Andy pointed this out on FFL today, too, that Cole Beasley's, like, sneaky. He didn't do anything in this game, 24 yards on two catches. But, like, he's sneakily coming into this week pacing for a pretty solid season. John Brown, we know, is a plus starter on the outside when he's healthy. But, like, you know, they don't have any tight ends involved. Uh, obviously, they've had some issues with, COVID-19 and some of their tight ends this year Um, you know Gabriel Davis is like you know a net negative when he gets thrown the ball Uh, they don't get either of these running backs involved in the passing game and I think that's the harder part like I would start to feel better about Singletary or start to feel better about Moss if one of them was used at all clearly over the other in the passing game but both of them just draw one target in this game Um, I feel I feel like Buffalo's offense like they sort of came out like Hot with their one move, which was spread in the field, play action, all that in the early parts part of the season. I feel like now it's time for Brian DeBall, who was talked about as like a head coaching candidate, you know, Josh Allen talked about as an MVP candidate. It's time for them to start to find some counter moves to just like, okay, Josh Allen throwing it to these wide receivers who are obviously really good, but some more players need to get involved. And I think these running backs sort of are the spot to get the most juice from, but really still coming out of this game, no – no lean towards one or the other, even though Moss gets the touchdowns.
0: That's all, well, I, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Moss because I do like his presence in the red zone. And before he got hurt, admittedly small sample size, that was it. And when you're talking about the things that Josh Allen does well and giving him counter moves, which is a perfect word to use, it was a short strike to Zach Moss that net another touchdown um, at the early, at the top of this season. So I, I think that Moss is, coming on here, the healthier he gets. And I also am wondering if part of DeBall's plan heading into this into this game um, was beca- was to specifically throw the ball because Stefan Gilmore was out. And then if we know that Allen had been struggling, maybe we gain confidence or help, help him figure out the passing game a little bit more and get some of that early season juice back, that process juice back, because the secondary is missing one of its key players.
1: Yeah, I, I the, the one thing I would leave it open to Moss as well, too, like I'm hoping that he takes control because so far with him out of the mix for most of the season, yeah. they've been a terrible rushing team. Yeah, They were 32nd in rushing DVOA coming into this week and still a top five team in terms of passing the ball. So, yeah, there needs to be something there. I'm hoping that there is a change because uh, they need something more. Like this team obviously, like I said, just needs more than just Josh Allen making plays with these wide receivers.
0: I mean – if Buffalo fans think they need more, imagine what Jets fans think and feel. Oh, uh, well. The game we've been all waiting for. Uh, Kansas City did cover the 19 and a half spread with a 35 to 9 <laughs> victory in this one. The Le'Veon Bell revenge game was not to be because Patrick Mahomes just decided to eviscerate the Jets through the air, 416 yards, five touchdowns. Wish I had started him in our Guru Challenge DFS and paid up. My goodness. I mean, I have to admit, I kind of thought in this one, like, what have we been seeing from Patrick Mahomes? Like, he's been running around, and they're probably not going to have to do a whole lot. So this will be a complete victory march for Le'Veon Bell, and they'll just grind out the game, get out of there as fast as possible.
1: I know, I thought so too because, look, they've they've shown that they can do that too. Like they've done most it. Of their, most of their games on balance this year have not been big Patrick Mahomes yardage or passing touchdowns, which, again, makes this, this Chiefs team so dangerous. That's why they're so good. That's why I could easily see them moonwalking back to another Super Bowl here in the AFC. But it makes them such a pain for fantasy because they can – hit you so many different ways, right? Like if they want to come out early and just fire all the cannons in the passing game, like go deep to Tyree kill, go, you know, do some cool stuff with McCole Hardman. Like they can do that. But at the same time, like if they get a 21 point lead and they just want to sit on the ball and grind it out with Clyde edwards Hilaire, or now Le'Veon Bell, they've shown they can do that too so it's like good luck you know because you can't even sit here and say like in positive game script this is going to hand it off to the running back it's 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 impossible to say what these chiefs are going to do on a week-to-week basis and yeah i mean no Lev bell revenge game whatsoever i guess like what is, what do they say what is the saying like um the best revenge is living well or whatever like i thought maybe it's that's-
0: um revenge is a dish best eaten cold
1: I don't I don't know. I feel like those are both right. Like, aren't those <laughs> they're the same sort of things, you know, whatever. I don't know. But there's the saying like, you, you know, the best revenge is to live well or some something like that. I have no idea. But maybe that's what Le'Veon Bell. That's his true revenge. Right. Like, who cares that he's uh, that he didn't free of the a toxicity. Game? Yeah. He's free of that toxic Jets team. He just gets to go and be on a Super Bowl contender where he's like the man. So, uh, you know, that's great
0: frustratingly though for fantasy and ceh believers um ceh would have had 13 carries in in this one but in fact it was uh 12 i should say he had six bell had six so it was split we got to keep an eye on that situation and the the presumed or expected or anticipated thorn in the side to ceh that bell might become um otherwise Matt's completely right. Like you're starting your chiefs and you're just, you drafted them for ceiling. So you're going to have to live and die by the ceiling as well. And there are worse things in the world. Like, I don't know, investing in any piece of the jets. There was a moment that I thought maybe I I didn't mention them on FFL. This was like, you know, sometimes like you have your, we have our takes like for the pod or for our written pieces or FFL or video work, but like in the back of your head, you're like, well, I kind of want to watch this one scenario because maybe if it pops a certain way, I'll write about it more, I'll investigate it more. And I really liked Denzel Mims coming uh, into yeah. the NFL draft. Like, I really liked his ball. He was one of those players. He has a lot of the characteristics that I tend to like. Um, And last week, he did make an immediate impact coming off of IR. There was some juice there. No Jamison Crowder, and I did. Think maybe with enough garbage time in this game, chasing points against Kansas City, Mims could do something. But like, that's just not gelling enough. And Pirine, even though he's got this experience in the passing game and could be utilized in that way, like you're not going to touch Frank Gore with a hurt hand is still touching the ball more than him. So, I think if you would like the hobby of throwing darts at Jets make that a hobby, but don't implement it in what you are actually focusing on as a hobby.
1: Yeah, uh, make that a, make that a hobby that you just like just to sink that sadness deep inside you. I'm well, it impressed. is kind of it is
0: a kind of fun guessing game as long as I don't have to live with the result of it, you know like a personal like hmm, I wonder what's going on here because there have been moments, there have been moments where you find a bad a good player on a bad team. And that can, I mean, we talk about Terry McLaurin, not that any of these like match that situation, but I don't know. I, I always just like to see if a player is going to rise above what they have. And so for those reasons, go ahead and see if you can mine some gold there, but that s- should be pyrite. Uh, did you want to say something? <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, shout out to Braxton Berrios. Eight catches for 34 yards. Whoa. I feel like a couple of years ago, Liz, we talked about. Perhaps even relating to Jameson Crowder, who I should say has exceeded these expectations. But just how much I loathe these like nasty like slot re- like taking these kind of slot receivers in the late round. Obviously, anybody Braxton Brax Barriers in the late round, whatever. But point is, yeah, this is the Adam Gay special, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a bunch of volume, eleven targets and thirty-four yards. It's offensive,
0: sexy. Colts at Lions. This one was interesting for for fantasy. Um. Yes. The Colts dropped 41 points on the Lions, and um, Matt Stafford was forced to answer, and Kenny Galladay got hurt in this one. So there was a lot going on. Um, it was, I believe, Marvin Jones who scored both touchdowns, um, but he only had three catches And so that was the hero. And I I know now that like Marvin Jones is going to be the talk of the waiver wire, but I also don't believe that Marvin Jones, depending on the extent of the Galladay injury can like hang as that wide receiver one.
1: Oh yeah, no, I feel like that, that time is coming gone. I feel like we saw that for uh, the early part of this year, you know, when Galladay's out there, like Jones is not able to elevate that point. And also just like the, the (laughs) things get pretty thin there for Detroit after Galladay leaves. Like, you know, we got Marvin Hall out here with seven targets. That's TJ Hawkinson turning ten targets into sixty-five yards. Galladay's a like a, a true difference maker when he's mm-hmm. in and out of the lineup changes the complexion of this Lions offense to the point that when he's not out there, I probably mostly want to wash my hands of the whole situation.
0: Galladay uh, left with a hip injury to be specific. Um, I was impressed with Hawkinson in terms of, you know, the the matchup and um, not having Galladay in the mix. So I think, you know, obviously if you drafted Hawkinson and you're looking at the tight end landscape as well, you're going to keep playing him, but let's talk about the Colts because we discussed this in the first half on our halftime FFL show. And the, I guess, interesting piece of it was Philip rivers from a passing game perspective. We can talk about the tiltingness of the backfield, which I think is less tilting now that we've seen all four quarters. Um, Philip Rivers is going to throw, is going to spread it around. Like maybe it's going to be Jack Doyle, maybe it's going to be Zach Pascal, maybe it's going to be, it's never going to be T Y Hilton. That's all you need to know. It is never going to be T Y Hilton.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like T Y Hilton was so far from a featured receiver anyways that I feel like that's not tilting for anyone at this point. Like if you were counting on T Y Hilton, I feel like you were. Don't you still just get questions? T Y questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know what those people are doing at this point, but um, you know, 10 plus guys catch passes in this game. 10 plus guys had catches in the first half for the Colts. And the concerning part, I think for Jonathan Taylor is like, not like, okay, yeah, he, he didn't run the ball, whatever. Um, but like this, I think is the best possible version of this Colts offense, which isn't a very fun offense to watch. I don't think it's a particularly good plan here in 2020 or the, or the long term. Like, The Colts are very much like a live-in week-by-week type of team. I don't know. They're they're a strange operation to me. I got a lot of weird feelings about the Colts. But this, like, spread it out, short, quick passes to whoever the open guy is or whoever has the most advantageous matchup. Not like, let's get it to one player. You know, we talked about the tight ends, like Trey Burton – is being used on design runs, like yeah. getting in the end zone that way. You know, but but even there, like he's involved with the passing game. Jack Doyle gets a touchdown. Mo'Ali Cox actually has uh, you know, the most targets of this bunch, or at least the most receiving yards. Like the the receiving core is led by uh, Zach Pascal, who only ran a route on 80% of Phillip Rivers dropback. So I think this like team offense by committee is a good thing for the Colts, but it's not great that then the team turns to Jordan Wilkins sort of as the grinded out guy and the reason that I think this is most problematic for Jonathan Taylor I always want to kind of marry like is this good for the team like is the team winning with my fantasy analysis and like the, the Colts have been a bad rushing team like with Jonathan Taylor they ranked 32nd in rushing success rate so far this year they've not been moving the ball well on the ground despite this you know supposed great offensive line with Jonathan Taylor as their feature back so I wonder if they look They say like, wow, spread it out, whatever. This is the way we're going to go. And I just don't know that Taylor fit like a, a 20 touch day for Jonathan Taylor really fits in with that approach.
0: I, I think it I think that is all excellent. But I think it could also be just a little bit simpler knowing that Reich is kind of an old school football head guy. He likes football. Right. And Jonathan yeah. Taylor got stuffed at the goal line and Jordan Wilkins right. did it. Right. So like yeah. if you're you're putting your rookie, your high draft pick in the position to score and he doesn't do it. And then the backup comes in and does it. That's pretty clear to me like there that. That doesn't like there is not going to be an opportunity. We can look at what's happening with the Chargers as well and see like you get the shot if you don't ROI on that opportunity. And the guy behind you does like now. The not pecking right. order has shifted. And I don't think we're going to see for the reasons you said, and also just because he's not getting it done. It doesn't matter, like, a, for all of the reasons why necessarily, but he's not getting it done. So I am not going to keep projecting this 20, this, this, into, this excite. Like, we, we want it, right? So we keep projecting it because we want yeah. to see and we want our take locks fulfilled. So we want to see him touch the ball 20 times. And I agree with you. It's not going to happen. Um, if you're talking about a win, this Tennessee at Cincinnati matchup was a win for streamers and waiver wire warriors Giovanni Bernard 78 total touchdowns uh, 78 total yards and two touchdowns plus since he just looked great here you got T Higgins who's the team's alpha we don't need to discuss it anymore six catches 78 yards on nine targets Tyler Boyd continues to deliver on his floor 67 and a touch Auden and Tate even got in there for 65 yards on yeah. seven targets <laughs> Um and AJ Green, womp, womp nineteen yards. Yep, yikes. Two catches.
1: Five targets. Yeah, no, I I think I like I love the way the Bengals play offense in like this weird spread out, like up tempo passing game. Like you can project three plus guys to perform pretty well in this offense. Like obviously Auden Tate instead of AJ Green, not really what we expected. Um, but like Tyler Boyd, like I'll need it. No more start sit questions about Tyler Boyd. Like You're this is a guy me. at this point that you want to get in the lineup every week because you said it safe floor. He's had seven plus targets in six games this year. He scores another touchdown in this spot. Like he's a discounted version of Keenan Allen, like not at all the same player. Allen is an elite receiver in my opinion. Boyd is far from that. But like from just a usage standpoint, he's right there. And, and in this, in this offense too, like you said, T Higgins emerging on the outside. Everything is kind of working for the, for the Bengals, and, like, Joe Burrow's the perfect, like, pivot man at, 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 in this yes. offense. And, you know, Gio Bernardi's here for his uh, annual trip of, like, yeah. ah yep, need, need a couple of days or need a couple weeks for Joe Mixon to miss games. And I'm going to actually come in and produce the numbers that people wish Joe Mixon produced on a, on a weekly basis. But this year, I'm going to do it with this cool mustache. Because we're all mixing it up here a little bit in 2020, yeah, I love, I love it. Gio's out here, Gio's out here doing his thing. I, I think this was a, this was a like probably the most, this was an important week, I think, for for the Bengals, and I think they're going to be this type of team. Like we talked to these other teams that are hard to project, the Bengals are relatively easy to project, like what they're going to be on a week to week basis, and in fantasy, that's great. And I also just think they're going to be a frisky team like the rest of 2020.
0: The you're talking about like hard teams to project. And so let's talk about the Titans because situationally, I don't think they're that hard to project, right? We know that Derrick Henry is going to go do big man, Derrick Henry things, 112 yards and a touchdown on this one. So not surprising there. We also know for the most part, at least I, and I, I believe you as well, based on other articles you've written previously in the season that AJ Brown, even if he isn't necessarily given the volume, has the talent to, smash in situations because you cannot sit him because you're worried about the talent you're worried about the situation because his talent can override that and he showed you that because even though he only caught the ball four times for 25 yards he had himself a man-sized score and we also know that probably this passing offense only has enough after A.J. Brown left for one more pass catcher yes and this week That was not Jonu Smith like we anticipated it would be. And Adam Humphreys, who was carted off the field, therefore, like, is a piece of the puzzle that is missing. It was Corey Davis. And that is just going to happen in this receiving core in Tennessee. It's going to be A.J. Brown and one of the other pieces. And you're going to have to spin the wheel and see who that other piece ends up being.
1: Yep, yeah, completely agree with you on that one. Like that's exactly how I view the Titans too. Like AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, and Ryan Tannehill to a certain extent. Like sure. Tannehill's is a top top twelve quarterback heading into Sunday Night Football. Like he's been very good. If he if you've like picked him up for a good matchup at some point in the early season, like w- w- you probably haven't dropped him at this point. But like be, like you said, beyond that, there's there's no guarantees. Corey Davis could be a, a non guarantee next week. Um, I, I I do think it's interesting with John R. Smith. Like obviously. They're not going to be a team that spreads the field with a bunch of receivers or whatever, especially with Adam Humphreys out. But, you know, he runs 19 routes. Anthony Ferster runs 15 routes in this mm. game, like pretty close. I sort of kind of wonder, like, Smith started the year so hot and looked like he was you know, becoming that piece in this offense. Then a couple of a weeks ago in that big game against the Texans, he gets hurt. hurt only, yeah. And then Anthony Ferkster plays well uh, in his absence. And I'm not saying that Firkster is like going to usurp him or anything, but I wonder if maybe Smith is still kind of working back from an injury. Uh, we might see the best of him in a couple months, like we saw it earlier in the year.
0: I, I totally agree. He just doesn't seem completely healthy. Um, so that is the scenario when projecting Tennessee, though. Um, you on FFL this morning talked about how you believed – That the Raiders wanted to get back to utilizing Josh Jacobs in the ground game. And so when we look at this Raiders at Browns matchup, uh, my goodness, that is exact. 31 rushing attempts for Josh Jacobs. And homeboy has not been healthy all season long. Like, they gave him 31 balls. And we know he is working through probably a malady of nagging little issues, right? 128 yards. No touchdown, but we'll forgive him that. He also didn't draw any work in the passing game. But again, that's the kind of like, that is, we wanted Josh Jacobs for volume. And, you know, I have to say, like, I was pretty disappointed that Derek Carr didn't do more during the halftime show. You and I talked about that. I'll go ahead and say should have been touchdown from Ruggs, but (laughs) yes, there was a lot here that could have been utilized. I mean, they got they got um, different pieces back, and it was it was a little. We know that the Derek Carr experience is going to be a little bit up and down. They're going to be ugly moment, moments. There was a fumble last week. There's a fumble again this week. But overall, he had been making up for those for those errors or those moments. And so it had been like a flash, a, like a splash play, and then there's like a plateau. But then there's another splash. And I just felt like after that no touchdown touchdown everything else just went on cruise control and he was never able to get back up over it in this one
1: yeah I think too that if there was a game you know we all came into this week talking a lot about weather and you know everything like that if there was a game that I think really did get affected by weather and maybe it's not but like just from like a you know the limits the limited bits I saw of it like the the box score of it especially like both of these quarterbacks under five yards per attempt, like nothing happening downfield. You know, Jarvis Landry leads the 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 entire like both the Raiders and the Browns receiving cores with fifty two yards on eleven targets. You know, four catches. Like neither of these passing games, and both these passing games had come into this game off pretty good performances, good game, right? Like yeah. the Raiders yeah. had started to push the ball downfield. It started to unlock this new identity per Derek Carr of themselves. Um, and the Browns also coming off their best of the game uh, with five touchdowns against the Bengals. And obviously, like, the Raiders are not an intimidating defense at all. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, both of these teams, the next time we see them, we're just tossing out what we saw in, in Week 8. And, and and that's, like, I think not – not the part about Josh Jacobs, right? Because I think they do sort of want to – continued that to that to be a part of their identity right they want to have him as that feature piece but i wouldn't be surprised for these two passing games if both of these guys are looking a lot better simply because of the weather uh conditions the next time we see them maybe just keep that in your op- in a uh, part of that you know in your mind
0: let it swirl around in there um i don't think we need to talk about much on the brown side of things it was jarvis landry who you already mentioned that saw the bulk of the opportunities with OBJ out of the lineup. It wasn't Higgins, but let's, I I think it's a really fair point um, that you make about the, about the elements. And so let's just put a pin in that and move on. Oh man. Talk about, oh, we're going to, we're going to talk about the Rams game next. The Rams at the dolphins game. I think like I, my chest hurts from watching Jared Goff get smacked so much. Some of the sound on that, like I don't, I don't like it's yeah. so weird when they pipe in the crowd noise sometimes, although I think we've all pretty much gotten used to it. Baseball did it pretty well. And every once in a while though, when you hear that like flap and it was Goff got sacked, like I heard myself being like, whoa! like still just alone yeah. in my, in my living room, like watching the game. This was brutal for Jared Goff. Um, and I also, you know, we got a lot of questions about Tua coming into this one. And the thought was, well, the pass rush and Jalen Ramsey, like he's not going to get much done. He didn't have to do a whole lot, right? Like the defense kind of did it all for him. And we know what Flores' background is. That's if, if that can work in a situation, I think that is going to be the, um, the strategy, the prioritized strategy, at least moving forward.
1: Yeah, this is a really underrated defense, I think. Like, since Byron Jones has come back and yep. been a part of the Dolphins defense, like, they've started to look really good. They were top 10 in DVOA, a pass, pass defense DVOA coming into this game, you know, before Brian Flores took Jared Goff's lunch money for the second time. <laughs> uh, we've seen him do this before. Uh, it was a big game called the Super Bowl. You might remember it, but, like... You know, this this team right now, I think, is playing good defensive football. So, like, this was just a buzzsaw for the Rams. I also think this is, like, this is something you kind of have to worry about with the Rams. Like, I talked about it a couple weeks ago on FFL. Like, I don't think these guys, like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they have great ceilings. Like, I, I know that seems kind of stupid considering Woods found the end zone twice today, once as a rusher, once as a receiver. But, like... Those receiving numbers were padded when this game was, like, way, way out of reach. Like, Cooper Cup took him 21 targets to get to 110 yards. Like, obviously, we know nothing's going on with the wide receiver three spot, the tight end spot. None of that stuff matters. Daryl Henderson leaves this game with an injury, too. So even, like, the the weakest part of the Dolphins' defense, which has to have been their run defense, couldn't even really exploit that because Henderson was gone. Um, Akers looks kind of like a jag so far. We know Malcolm Brown is a little bit of a jag. Uh, but they weren't even the game in the game script to do that, and that's kind of what I'm I'm worried about with this Rams team is that when you knock them off script, like they're so easy to to defend, and and that's problematic for the ceiling of guys like Jared Goff. And Cooper Cup and Robert Woods really the only players in the passing game that we even care about at this point.
0: Well, you also have a quarterback that needs to have a Cyrano de Bergerac sort of situation in his ear coaching him along and doesn't offer any of the athleticism or mobility that Mahomes or Watson or any of the like more new era but similarly aged quarterbacks do offer, um, and, and that is becoming increasingly problematic. I also just to talk quickly. Uh, so the, the Rams are going on by next week, so you know, a lot of people will like to pick up uh Cam makers because you mentioned rightly so the Henderson ish- injury. Y'all, we have to see what's going on with uh Henderson yeah. because they're not going to play next week, so 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 just pause a second. I know a lot of people were in like had probably dropped. In fact, Andy advised everyone to drop. Cam Akers at this point, and now let's just see what happens before we go, you know, spending all of our fab. But I will say, I have, like, a sneak – I am really more and more and heading – I liked him a lot last season, and heading into this season, I had very big feelings, positive big feelings about Preston Williams. I loved what he could do, but he was coming off that ACL. And he scored in back-to-back games heading into into this one uh, ahead of the bye – Next week, if we're talking about Tua and leaning on the run and leaning on the defense, they've got the Arizona Cardinals. Like, they're not going to be able to lean as well as much on the defense because we know the Cardinals can put up points. Like, they have a variety of ways that they can do that, which means Tua is going to be forced to throw the ball. And I also feel like Patrick Peterson, while he is not what he used to be, will likely draw Devontae Parker. And you've got a rookie quarterback who probably – I mean, Russell Wilson, by the way, like was shying away from DK Metcalf because Patrick Peterson was on him. So I have to imagine the two of might defer a little bit, which means Preston Williams, who we know can be a great red zone threat, I think is a nice get for week nine. And he's also available in like 80% of Yahoo leagues right now.
1: I like it. Yeah, I feel like this Dolphins offense, just we just have no idea, like, I'm not coming out of here with a strong take on like what I feel like the Tua era is going to look like. I went into this week with a few like strong feelings about how they'd look different from the Fitzpatrick group, but I'm going to kind of keep my mind open to like, see, see what that looks like too. Because um, like I wouldn't be surprised if they come out much more aggressive next week. Uh, they do throw the ball downfield to guys like Preston Williams because like they just didn't have to do anything in this game, right? Like like Tua fumbles the ball early, but their defense com- and their special teams completely ran the day on this one. That's probably not going to be the case. Even if I do think this is a better defense, it's not going to be the case on balance the rest of the year. So I'm willing like, to see maybe Tua comes out and does throw it down the field to these guys, like you mentioned.
0: Let's move on to a division matchup here between the Vikings and the Packers. And the Vikings stole one from the Packers here. Dalvin Cook. 30 carries, 163 yards, two catches for 63 receiving yards, four total touchdowns. Oh, my God, Mike Patton, what you gonna do? This is the recipe, and and everybody is using it, including a inferior team and a player that was coming off of an injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, Green Bay's defense is so, so problematic. And, you know, they get the 49ers next week. I realize the 49ers did not look good this week, but let's not forget that the 49ers... At, like, they're the ones who really showed the entire national stage. Like, Mike Pettin's run defense ain't it, and it ain't never been it, and it ain't never going to be it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think this was, this was like, obviously four touchdowns. Nobody ever projects four touchdowns, but no. whoever was going to start for the Vikings, uh, you, you knew they were going to slash up this run defense because everybody runs up on the Packers. And, you know, that's a problem because I think the Packers' offense, especially without Aaron Jones, you probably want them to play you know, with a lead. You want them to be in control of the game. Uh, So far, that's been the case with this Packers offense uh, in totality here in 2020. So that's hard to do, though, when your run defense is going to get gashed like this.
0: And we we talked about the elements in the the Las Vegas-Cleveland game. There were gusts of wind at Lambeau. So maybe that affected Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he did his best with Devontae Adams, seven catches for 53 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Jamal Williams in the stead of Aaron Jones had 102 total yards and Robert Tanyan did his part, you know, five catches on seven targets for close to 80 yards, but this is it. And, you know, I also feel like now that Tanyan is a little bit healthier for projecting this Packers, um, receiving core, you mentioned before Tanyan emerged about what a month into the season, um, before getting hurt that maybe the Packers Pass catchers are just going. Maybe the Packers are just going to be Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones, and then somebody else, and that somebody else will be whoever we figure out that particular week, whether it's based on matchups or health. I feel like Tanyan might be that somebody else now, though.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, and and it's also worth remembering Alan Lazard is going to come back. I think at some point, like he's he would be a big addition too because he and Rogers were cooking. Like I, I'm, I Tanya looked Tanya. He's, he's Tunyon, right? Tunyon, the Funyon, uh, is how you actually officially pronounce his name. He's let us know, uh, Ryan. Uh, so I think that I think that uh, he is here to stay. I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a part of this offense going forward. I, I, do you think that Devontae Adams is going to be the wide receiver one this year without even playing fourteen games or without no. even playing sixteen games? Like that legit might happen.
0: He was on pace for something wild. I was looking at stats heading into this one, but.
1: Okay. Oh, he's paced for like 160 targets uh, coming into this week, despite not playing 16 games, games. which is unbelievable.
0: Um, we'll hear for it. I mean, you you made him – he was your wide receiver one ahead of everybody else, Michael Thomas and New Hopkins. And, I mean, Michael Thomas hasn't played. I can't wait to talk about that game, by the way, <laughs> the Saints game. We'll get there, though, because yeah. it was it was an interesting one, not just because of the Bears. First, got to talk about the Chargers – And the Broncos, two very young-faced quarterback. My goodness. I personally just loved watching Justin Herbert. To me, it is so emblematic of this Chargers squad and his play, like sitting on the sidelines, picking at his chin acne. And I loved it. I was here for it because I was like, (laughs) but he plays with that same sort of not – like he's completely um not insecure like not aware just out there having fun it doesn't matter like there's like a there's something brewing on his chin and like he's gonna get after it and here's like a a crazy receiver deep and he's gonna target him and he's gonna uh, spread the ball around and he managed to score another three touchdowns doing just that Keenan Allen was obviously fire in this one and you know every week we can start Keenan Allen he's you mentioned Tyler Boyd, right, and you comp the two. I think that, like, Keenan, that's a perfect comp, even if we use it in the opposite direction. Like, Keenan Allen is Tyler Boyd on on fire.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And, like, Mike Williams is going to be tough to predict, but he's a guy that, like, you know he has this great ceiling, yeah, right? Just, like, last that's, week. Looked that's
0: like, it, right? Like, you're not – these are some yeah. of these situations. Like, when we talk about A.J. Brown, like, I don't know. Like, maybe the targets don't go his way, but you what you do know is that he wins in contested situations and he's a red zone a red, a real red zone presence that matches the skill set of the young quarterback that's slinging the ball all yeah. over the yard.
1: Yeah, that's it too, right? Like Williams and is going to be totally unlocked by a guy like Justin Herbert. Herbert is – every week he just like does the unbelievable. It's like, you know, obviously the, they, they lose this game because the Chargers are the Chargers, and like Anthony Lynn is probably the most – the coach that's the most afraid to lose – in the NFL right now I play he plays that way I mean he coaches that way it's unbelievable but like Herbert throws up legit star level play every single week I thought it was interesting too in the backfield this one like Justin Jackson has completely pulled away uh from Josh Kelly like shout out to the Josh Kelly truthers you you really nailed that late round pick there seven carries 32 yards uh in this one for Kelly Troy Main Pope Runs ahead of Kelly, 10 carries for 67 yards. And Justin Jackson, 17 carries the most so far this year, 89 yards, and three catches for 53 for Justin Jackson. Again, remains a big part of the passing game. They get a matchup with the Raiders next week. I, I think if you have Justin Jackson, this was his best day in fantasy so far, but, like, next week might be the week where he really turns in, like, an Austin eckler light type of performance.
0: Chef's kiss for that one. Um, and then we got to talk about Drew Locke. Just all of the things that you love and hate about Drew Locke were showcased in this matchup. Um Philip Lindsay, I, I should say, for the backfield. Despite this being like a revenge game for Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay looked awesome, and he can break off those those long chunk gains. And he found the end zone in this one. But I don't believe for a minute that he is not going to suffer from from some load management, and that this isn't going to be a shared backfield. So this yeah. week it was. You know, it was um, Philip Lindsay who saw the most rushing production, though it was Gordon who had two more totes than Lindsay. Um, and then we see the passing game stuff, right? Deshaun Hamilton is the one who finds the end zone, but Jerry Judy continues to lead the receiving core in targets. He's getting double digit targets and he doesn't find the end zone, but he's it, right? Like, you, I mean, Also, defenses Mm -hmm. know, like, this is a rookie, he's going to get all the looks, like, we know what to zero in on, and so it's up to Drew Locke to find Albert O, who's giant in the end zone, or especially if Noah Fant, like, can't body his way into those situations because he isn't healthy enough.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of the knock-on Fant coming into the NFL, too, that he was, you know, not really that type of tight end, not a consistent, contested catch guy. So far, I would say that he's been more, like, he's unbelievable after the catch, right, is Noah Fan, And I think these two guys, Albert O and Noah Fan, can complement each other really well, which, again, is good news for Drew Locke and this Broncos team that needs help on offense. And, like, this is definitely a week where the heat was kind of coming on Drew Locke this this past week. Like, people were starting to, you know, ratchet those old takes about Drew Locke back up, some negativity, but he came out with a good game, three uh, touchdowns in this one. So that'll keep the haters at bay for this week.
0: I don't know what the Jimmy Garoppolo haters are going to do. They are probably sitting very pretty. Garoppolo was like a highly touted stream because of the matchup against Seattle. Oh, and no. I, I didn't touch it. I didn't want a piece of it. I, I, in fact, we talked about the shenanigans. Why can't I say it? The shenanigans. Sh- shenanigans?
1: Shanahanigans? Shanahanigans.
0: Shanahanigans. Why can't I do it? Okay. The it's easier to type
1: than say. It's one of those things.
0: Uh, the I keep thinking about Mrs. Hannigan from the musical Annie. I don't, okay. Anyway, keep
1: <laughs> this... cut. <laughs> A lot of fantasy players out there are going to be like, "Oh yeah, Liz, yeah, big big Annie fan."
0: Well, listen, Jimmy Garoppolo is hoping for tomorrow because today was not pretty. Oh, Look my at God. that.
1: nailed <laughs> it. Nailed it. <laughs> you know, the worst um, part about the the fact that Jimmy G like. You know, he was a streamer that people touted coming in this week simply because of the matchup, like you said. Like, he stinks in this game, horrible, uh, gets hurt, gets pulled. Then Nick Mullins, who got pulled, like, a couple weeks ago, he goes out and has the game, right? Like, obviously, it's in garbage time sort of-ish, but, like, you know, it's in negative game script at the very, at the very best, is what you can call it. But he goes out and has that game, 9 over 9 yards per attempt, 2 touchdowns, 128 passer rating. Like, it's just, I mean, if you did stream Jimmy G I, I wouldn't have done it I didn't do it anywhere I didn't play him in DFS but like I, I get why you would do it because everybody's crushed Seattle well everybody can crush Seattle because Nick Mullins just did it
0: that's a that's a very good point and the backfield there was a lot we had a lot of questions obviously on FFL about whether it'll be Jared McKinnon or Tevin Coleman who was back from IR and activated or if it was going to be the um the rookie Hasty, And in fact, it was the rookie hasty 12 carries, which is a standard number of rushing attempts for, for a leading running back on this team. Like you're not going to see much over 15 from any one running back. And, um, I think for me, like I I'm wondering, and I'm playing with this idea and I haven't like dug into stats, but just in watching the games, I feel like Kyle Shanahan just wants fresh legs at this point. Like, who has the freshest legs? That's the that's the running back because his scheme is so friendly. Who is the running back who can, who can do the work because I have made it so easy for them? Who can last the longest? And that's the running back for the week that's going to get the bulk of the opportunities.
1: Well, we know that Jarek McKinnon, like, literally it's has tired tough. legs. That was yes. the report over the week. Uh, Tevin Coleman got hurt again in this game. So he might miss more time. So, yeah, it's going to continue to be the hasty show. I, he should already be added in every single team. I, like, on every single league, he should be on your bench. Uh, if he is on waivers, I'd make him a pretty priority pickup. And then in the past, I mean, the, the 49ers, like, I'm not sure there's a team that is dealing with more injury irritation. Like, Garoppolo gets hurt in this game. Like I said, uh, I mentioned the running back injuries. And George Kittle, also injured in this game, uh, we're still awaiting like more word on that one, but that's not the first time that Kittle uh, has been hurt this year too. It's just, no. I mean, it has been an un- unbelievably frustrating year from an injury perspective for the 49ers. And it's crazy too, like you can tell they're still a good organization. They're still well coached. They still have some talent there because like some weeks they look like this you know, where they just get their ass kicked by like the dolphins or uh, the Seahawks in this case. Then other weeks they go out and do the same to the Rams or, you know, whatever, like they've, they've, they've put it on teams. They've looked outright dominant at times, obviously against the jets a couple of weeks ago and the giants back in September, but still it's, it's, it's gotta be frustrating for the Niners knowing that that, Ecosystem is there, the infrastructure is there, but the injuries just continue to be a problem.
0: The only injury you didn't mention was Debo Samuel, and in his stead, Brandon Ayuk, yeah, who has a similar skill set. There's overlap between those skill sets. um He led the team in targets and yardage, eight catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. Kendrick Bourne was also involved, and Kendrick Bourne, by the way, was involved when Debo more involved than Ayuk, admitting that Ayuk was a rookie at the top of the season when Debo Samuel was missing. So if Kittle were to miss time, and you're right to say we gotta pause. We don't know right now. There's no reports um yet. If Kittle were to miss time again, then Ayuk and Bourne are going to be part of this theoretical solution. More injuries to the other team in this matchup, the backfield in Seattle was a mess for fantasy players. I mean, I all like it was game time decisions for Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson, uh, although I think we knew that Hyde was going to be out. It was more of a game time decision for Chris Carson. I thought he was trending towards not playing. And in fact, it was DJ Dallas who ended up playing. He carried the ball 18 times, found the end zone um, once on the ground and then also once through the air. I was a little bit worried when he missed a cue and Russell Wilson like got smashed keeping the ball. I was like, yeah. Oh no, but, but there was not enough. It was one of those injuries. There's not enough behind him. So there's no, there's no opportunity to pivot. So he got another chance. And uh, I think he quitted himself. Well,
1: yeah, no, I, I like to see that too. Like we'll see him, we might have to see more of him. You never know with, with Chris Carson's injury situation. So uh, that was good for him. And then the passing game too, like, man, it's getting to a point where, you know, you got to play Russ and Lock, with, with Lockett and DK every week. Right. Like obviously you, you don't want to be the one goofball who benches Lockett or Metcalf and then they absolutely go off. But we're kind of getting to a point where unless the Seattle Seahawks just go ham and, like, they get into a big-time shootout. Like, Russ is at a point where now it's like, okay, you want to dedicate resources to taking this one away? Fine. I'm going to throw the football mm-hmm. 15 times to the other one and they're going to go off. The other one's going to be quiet. Like, Lockett and this one after three touchdowns, 200 yards last week – Four catches for 33 yards. And that was the second best receiving performance of the day because DK Metcalf absorbed 15 <laughs> targets, caught 12, 161, and two touchdowns. Like, it's crazy that, I mean, what what can you do? Like I said, you, you just have to play both of them. DK on balance throughout the the most part of this year has been the more consistent guy, but not by much, you know? Like, they, they've both had a couple of games like that
0: hundred percent agree. Also, you just want pieces of, I mean, if Russ is going to kick Cook, then you want pieces of this offense. And it is that simple. Not every week is going to go your way in Crimea river because some of us, you know, drafted Nick Chubb and OBJ, and we're just trying to muddle yeah. our way through.
1: Like if your team, if your team loses because of Lockett, you know, putting up four for 33, your team wasn't that good. Like you shouldn't lose because of one player. Yeah, uh, pretty much it like you, you can lose because of one bad decision like I'm going to lose in the league because I played Richard Higgins over Naheem Hines, which I feel like was probably, you know, solid, you know, process over results. But like, you shouldn't lose because one player didn't perform on your team. That means your team no, you're stinks.
0: You're also not going to cry about it. Last note um, about these two backfields, and I'm sure that Andy and Scott will discuss it more in tomorrow's pod, but for those of you wanting to get a jump on it, Jim Michael Hasty is available in 60% of Yahoo leagues and DJ Dallas in 80% of Yahoo leagues. Let's talk about the Saints at the Bears now. Not the prettiest game. I want to start on a non-fantasy point. And that is Javon Wims throwing hands at Chauncey Gardner Johnson with his helmet on and also the reaction from Twitter about how undisciplined Javon Wims is and what a stupid thing to do. I just want to, like, remind everyone because everybody's damn attention spans have shrunk to ridiculous, like, I don't even know how, I think our our neurocortexes are just, like, teeny, teeny. Um, Mike, Michael Thomas, the team's leading wide receiver, punched that SOB a couple of weeks, or so his own teammate. Yeah. So don't come at me about Wims being some crazy hothead. I don't know what the hell this guy is saying all the time, but let's, like, have a little bit of, I'm not saying what Wims did was right, but, like, can we have a little bit of accountability for this, Multi hyphenate player,
1: yeah, and that's like the book on uh CJ Gardner Johnson yeah! too. Is that he is a he's a <laughs> talker. So I mean, you know, you I guess you got to say like cooler heads should prevail, whatever. There's Ugh. also some stuff going out on on Twitter of like what you know his role in like hi- getting it to this point. And the only thing I'll say about whims is like just don't punch guys with helmets on. Like that's that's the only thing that ever kills me. Don't don't punch helmets. Like I've I've yet to see it uh, out? where I've yeah, I've yet to see it work out. Like, even in that, even in this one, uh, Wims throws a punch on Gardner Johnson and, he, and like he doesn't move at all. He he like looks around, like, did anyone see that before he he punches him again? But like, that's what you're doing, you punch it with somebody with a helmet on, like, you're not going to get a lot out of it. Uh, Gardner Johnson actually lost more ground a couple of uh, a couple of plays later when Alan Robinson shook there him out go. of his shoes on a route. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're just not going to get a lot of uh, traction punching somebody with a helmet on. So I let's, get have, let's have longer
0: memories yeah. about this guy. Like, don't come to this guy's defense. Not uh, yeah, that I you are, right? Like, me. we don't need to run yeah. to, like, Chauncey Gardner's defense, Gardner Johnson's defense right here. I love that you mentioned Allen Robinson, though, because coming back from the concussion or, you know, he was basically, like, asked – he was invited by the refs last week to, like, come off the field and stayed in the uh, protocol throughout throughout the week. But he managed to catch six balls for 87 yards and a touchdown – And that was great. His his touchdown was fantastic, but I thought what was more exciting, what gave me hope, which brought some optimism to this otherwise sluggish offense that is insistent upon forcing the ball to an ancient and barely robotically moving Jimmy Graham was seeing Darnell Mooney, the speed element, the Taylor Gabriel piece that is no longer, but was in this offense Set him up with a forty-yard reception. Andy talked about it on last week's episode. Andy and I texted about it. I love that this is finally, at least, being layered into an otherwise completely boring offense.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Like this, I don't know. Matt Nagy does a couple things every game that make me think like this is more of a Matt Nagy problem than any of the personnel. I mean, obviously, the personnel Nick Foles would agree with you. Yeah, right? I feel like Nick Foles would agree with me. Um, this is just not an offense that's set up to, to succeed. Like, they've been trying to get the ball to Mooney downfield, but they can't protect. So it's like yeah. the, some of those un, like, air yards will just go unrealized uh, through chunks of time. But, you know... He finally got the ball to Darnell Mooney in this one. Uh, Great stuff. Anthony Miller also popped up with 11 targets. Like, you got to get Anthony Miller the ball the more, too. Like, because he's a good player. I don't give a damn that he dropped a couple touchdowns in the year. Like, get over it. You need to get to a point where you're not, like, throwing to Jimmy Graham, like you said, 10 times a game. Or, you know, establishing the run with David Montgomery, because what has that ever gotten you? Like, I think there just needs to be more dimensions to this offense. They need to adjust. And at this point, though, I mean, Nagy's not been a great adjuster uh, so far.
0: Well, it would be interesting, it'd be wonderful. You're totally right. I mean, that's a perfect summation. It'd be great if after a game, Nagy isn't like, you know, what we need to do, we need to get our rookie tight end more involved. No, you don't. does it. You need to like find a solution on the O line and you need to get the other elements of this offense going. The game, the game did go into overtime. Um, you know, M- Montgomery's YPC is never going to be amazing. You're going to watch him run up the gut for you know 3.7 yards per carry, had 4.2 in this one, 21. Rushing attempts for 89 yards and uh, not a touchdown. On the other side of things, Drew Brees, who was without Michael Thomas, without Emmanuel Sanders, without uh, Callaway, who flashed last week. You know, he gave the ball to Alvin Kamara and um, Latavius Murray and Jared Cook scored a touchdown. And that's pretty much all you need to know.
1: Yeah. Big old Taysom Hill game in this one. Yeah, that's Five it. carries, 30, 35 yards uh, for old Taysom Hill. We love to see it. Not really. Uh, also caught a touchdown though. So I mean, like this was it. This was the, it's all been for this, for this moment in this win over the <laughs> uh, the hapless bears. That's what they've been setting up all year. Um, no, I've, this team just feels weird. Like I need to see Michael Thomas at some point, you know, what, what the hell's going on? But like, Breeze did not look good pushing the ball down the field much in this one. That was, that was definitely noticeable, but you know, outside in Chicago, I guess that's not, that's not, it's chilly.
0: He's used to a dome on the road. We'll see. But I think you're right. Like we can't really make any predictions outside of knowing that Alvin Kamara is going to rule the day until at least Michael Thomas and hopefully Emmanuel Sanders also come back. Hopefully that's week nine. All right, Monday night, we've got the Buccaneers at the Giants. Oh, This game should have been played on Saturday, not Monday, because it is ho- oh, it should be a horror fest, like Halloween.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like the Giants are going to get steamrolled here. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I I, th- I think this is going to be a big running game for uh, the Bucs as well. You know, when Chris Godwin was maybe going to be out there is a whole other situation, but yeah, we'll see. Not, not, not loving the Giants' chances in this spot.
0: No, and no, no Devonta Freeman for the Giants either, so that means you got Wayne Goleman. It's just, I don't, it doesn't project to be pretty. But what does project to be pretty is always your Sunday night piece, which is something that is inspired by the Sunday night game. We've got the Eagles and the Cowboys. Would you like to tease anything?
1: Yeah, uh, Carson Wentz, come on, man. Like, like get on FFL this morning and talk about, like, man, the Eagles are really set up to be a real team now at this point. And Carson Wentz is out here against the Dallas defense, puking all over his shoes in the first half. Like, jeez, God, man. Unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about that in the Sunday Night Column. If you're a lunatic, you've probably already read it. Good. Thanks thanks to you.
0: You incepted him? You? Oh, no because this podcast will be out I thought maybe they already read it because they incepted your brain it's been a long weekend and also probably (laughs) Carson Wentz Um, Carson Wentz is not doing particularly well because Andy made Carson Wentz his bold prediction and Andy has definitely hexed each of his own bold productions. We all are dealing with oh our own gosh. things in 2020. Um, but you should check out pod. like everyone's listening to podcasts. You don't have a commute but what are you really doing when you walk around your house? You're not really on those Zoom calls. I know you're actually listening to podcasts so if you're doing that why not listen to ours? We have a bunch of them. The Yahoo Sports NFL podcast for example with Charles Robinson and Therese Paylor. The Yahoo Sports College podcast which features Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel and our friend Pat Forty. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. One more thanks to Planters. Andy and Scott will be back tomorrow morning to talk pickups. Until then, we're out.